Many people think that the enemy is the cabal or the deep state or the globalists or the communists or the black hats or whatever other typical thing that you have been told through alternative news or through your friends or through memes or all this stuff that's going around right now. Because ultimately right now, there is a conflict. There is a conflict between two sides. And that's pretty obvious, I'd say for most people, unless you're really, really indoctrinated, but it's pretty obvious now that there is a conflict between two sides. However, that doesn't mean that one side is good and the other is the bad guys. They're both bad guys. And this is the thing that I hope you will understand from today's episode, because I'm just going to touch on some things. This is just the tip of the iceberg, the proverbial iceberg. I've talked about this in depth in my end time series, because most people are deceived about the end times. They are deceived for many reasons, and one of the ways that deception plays out is thinking that the good guys are coming to rescue you, that there are some bad guys in government, and they're going to get taken care of by the good guys. This is one of the ways that this final deception is being manifested. And what I mean by final deception is, you'll see as we go through this episode, and I'll mention some of the things I talk about in my series, because there's a lot to talk about. The devil is not going to play his hand, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not going to play his hand so easily. You know, everybody thinks like they're on the internet watching Babylon fall or the deep state getting, you know, crushed or whatever by the white hats, like as if it's some show that you get to bring some popcorn to and look, the devil's, you know, getting conquered. Not at all. In fact, the Bible warns you that at the end of time, people will worship the devil to worship the devil and take his mark and become part of his system. So what does that mean to you? I mean, put just put those two things together. Put those two pieces of information together. If you knew nothing about the end times, if you knew nothing about history, and if you just simply knew those two things and pretend that they are 100% absolute facts. Fact number one, the Bible says that at the end of time, before Christ returns, the world will worship the devil and they will be part of his system. That's fact number one. Fact number two, there's two parties vying for control. And one of them is losing. Indeed, the dark, quote unquote, is losing. And the good guys, the white hats, the light, is winning. So if you have just those two facts, what do you make of that? Well, you know that the scripture can't be broken and that the word of God is absolute. So what you make of it is that the good guys that are seemingly in charge and, you know, the White Hats are in control and all these kind of things are not the good guys. And if you know your history now, if you simply just look in the Bible, God has used the evil guys to judge the previous evil guys. And at the end, he judges all, everybody. God used Persia to judge Babylon. He used Alexander the Great to judge Persia. He used the Romans to judge the Greeks. And he used the papacy to judge the Romans and the barbarians and things like that. So you always had groups of pagans or groups of other evil people that were used to end previous empires. And something is coming to an end right now. This is true. We are transitioning. But we're not transitioning into what you think we're transitioning into. This is what I'm trying to wake people up with because so many people are deceived by the dark versus light Kool-Aid by Trump being, you know, some sort of outsider that's coming to rescue everybody politically. And we're going to talk about that today because it's very important. 
But I just want to open your eyes to this because the real enemy is not the globalists. It's not you know the the obvious evil. The real enemy is a Christian nationalist system. And for most people, that's going to sound like, what? What are you talking about? That's why I encourage you to watch my series, because there's a lot of relevant episodes, like the counterfeit spirit, like the image of the beast, and all these other things that we do not study correctly, because most people are deceived by the beast's eschatology. The eschatology of the beast that was created 500 years ago that was designed to hide the identity of the beast most of the eschatology falls into the branch of futurism, where everything is pushed to the future and the Jews become the center of prophecy. So you don't have to look at the church and you see the infiltrator that came into the church, the body of Christ. Instead, you're looking for the Jews and what they're doing. And you're expecting some charming, you know, atheist guy or probably communist or whatever other Islam to walk into the temple and proclaim himself to be God. Instead of looking for the power that already walked into the body of Christ, the temple, and proclaimed itself to be God. Do you see how this works? But today we have some people that you're probably already familiar with, especially if you live in the United States. And the first one is Mike Johnson. Now, Mike Johnson has come to the limelight for being a Christian nationalist. I want you to, we're going to look at some articles, and I want you to see if you can discern what I'm pulling out from these things. This first one says, Mike Johnson's America revisit landmark SCOTUS decisions and use government to restrain evil. So he's getting, he's getting the liberals all, you know, tied up because he believes that mankind is inherently evil, which is actually true. Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, voiced support for revisiting Supreme Court decisions that struck down restrictions on the use of contraception, barred bans on gay sex, and legalized same-sex marriages, according to a CNN review of his prior public statements. One of the primary purposes of the law in civil government is to restrain evil, Johnson said on one radio show in 2010. We have to acknowledge collectively that man is inherently evil, that's true, and needs to be restrained. That part is the highlight part. Of course, all of this is highlighted, but this is the thing that you need to pay attention to. Now, the funny thing, there's another thing to read here, I'll, I'll comment on in a second. The arrows... In the culture war are particularly directed at our youth. Oh, this is another good thing to talk about. Where the enemy often has the greatest effect. The enemy. That's right. Good versus evil, right? Read the 2000, read the 2005 webpage for God and Country, a Christian local radio show co-hosted by Johnson. We cannot lose our children to the forces of darkness. Be aware and get active in your kids' schools. So, of course, this, you know, this is a longer article. I'll cite all these things as usual, but... You know, he's getting all the liberals pretty tripped up with his language that, oh, how can man be inherently evil? Now, of course, actually, this is what the Bible teaches. He's not wrong. Mike Johnson is not wrong on that particular point. And that is very controversial with today's culture because today's culture operates according to the Garden of Eden, the, the lie from the Garden of Eden. And the lie from the Garden of Eden is a libertarian free will, that you have the same kind of will as God. Now, we have a will... We, we choose, we make choices, life unfolds moment by moment, but we are participating in something that God has decreed to reveal his glory. Very different model of the universe. You see, the lie from the Garden of Eden goes like this. The assumption is that you can choose free of influence. This is what libertarian will, which was popularized by the French Revolution, who was 
incited and led by the Jesuits, which I talk about in my End Times series. But nonetheless, this is where our values come from. You can choose free of influence, but if you can choose free of influence, what does that, what does that really mean? You ever thought about it with the assumption that you can choose free of influence? It means that you can choose the good and the evil equally. This is what the occult is all about. Dark and light, black versus white. You have the power of good and evil. You are basically God. You are like God. And if you can choose between good and evil equally, it's up to you to make the choice. Come on, you know what's good and you know what's bad. Then you have the responsibility to govern yourself, to see how this works. And you don't need God to govern you because you can choose the good. This is all, I've talked about this in the image of the beast. I talk about it in the episode on the second beast, which is the United States, which was founded by Luciferian Freemasons, secret society members, enlightenment thinkers, people that basically believe this to a T. Thomas Jefferson tore pages out of the Bible and made his own Bible. He, he didn't, he wasn't a Christian. None of the founding fathers were Christians, man. They were all secret society members. George Washington has a bust of him, of his head, and it says like Freemason and first president. What comes first in that sequence of words? Freemason does. And so you have to understand that these things are as old as time. There's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. So back at this article, people are getting really riled up about him acknowledging the truth, actually, which, you know, give him credit for that. And of course, because, if, you know, if, you, if we're inherently evil, oh, that insults everybody's libertarian free will. And, you know, you, you need a savior if you're inherently evil, which is true. That's, that's what the Bible tells you. You're dead in your sins. You can't do good. You don't know what's good and evil. Even the things that you think are good, they're actually self-righteous without God guiding you and giving you his spirit. That's the gospel. But that is very contradictory to the culture. But this is where he gets you, and he says, we, need, we have to acknowledge collectively that man is inherently evil and needs to be restrained. That's something that the Bible doesn't teach you. The Bible doesn't say you're evil, so you need to be restrained. That's a very dangerous idea. And I, you'll see as we go through this episode why it's a very dangerous idea and why it's very telling of the kind of spirit that is behind Mike Johnson and the people who are with him and pushing this new direction, which has been actually been pushed for quite a while. But anyway, we'll get back to that. But the Bible doesn't say you need to be restrained. The Bible says you need to repent. You need to repent to repent. Have faith in God, in Christ, and then you get a new heart so you aren't evil anymore. Of course, you have sin and you're going to be struggling with sin, but you have a new heart and you, you seek to please God. You seek to be with God. It doesn't say you need to be restrained. It says you need to repent. And of course, in context of the entire scripture, those who do end up repenting and enduring in faith do so because God has done that to them. God has allowed that for them and supernaturally made it possible for them to do these things. So ultimately, we can't take credit for anything. But this is very interesting, that we need to be restrained. So keep that in mind. And of course, the other paragraph where I read where they're talking about the kids, you know, at the radio show that he was hosting, and they're coming after your children. This is a very subtle and important tactic to understand. All the things that are happening today with the gender confusion, tranny story hour in schools. I mean, you name it. There's so much stuff, sexualization, 
especially of, of kids, you know, like that show on Netflix, I forget the name now, but they were like cheerleaders and it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was just it was basically, you know, just, I can't even say the word cause I'll probably get banned on YouTube, but you know what it is. So that's happening and it's very in your face. Now that shouldn't, of course it's, it's disgusting, but there's a, there's an agenda behind it. It's not just happening by accident. These things are being pushed down your throat so that you are being hit with the thing that is most vulnerable, which is the children. And then you revile and you, you get just revolted at this tr attempted takeover over your culture by the left. Now, what does that do? Ask yourself clearly, what does being pushed to the left in life? We're just talking physically now. If somebody pushes you to the left, if you need to get back on balance, what do you do? Well, you resist and you go to the right. That's just a normal physical thing in our universe. And it works the same way with spiritual laws. When you're pushed so hard to the left, and they know that, that's why they use these dialectics. These dialectics have been going on since the French Revolution between communism and basically nationalism, and, it's, and specifically Christian nationalism. Because the idea behind the French Revolution was to create dialectics that would one day bring people back to the mother church. But in order for you to see Christian nationalism, like it was for 1300 years, as a good thing, you need to be pushed into the dark. You need to be pushed into some really dark and nasty stuff so that you just see, man, that good cop was actually a really good guy compared to the bad cop. See how this works? So they're coming after your kids. We need to protect our kids from the enemy. And of course, all the parents who are quasi-religious, they, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but maybe they're not really committed. They don't really read the Bible. They don't know anything. They're just sincere people maybe that just want to protect their kids. And they're working hard. And so it's very easy for that to push you into a support for these kinds of people, that they're the ones coming to rescue your kids. They're the ones coming to make everything right from the big bad boogeymen who are atheists. And of course, people don't read their Bibles. They don't know what's coming on the horizon and say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, we do need more regulation. We need, you know, religion back in schools. We need this, we need that. Now, look, I... <laughs> I am fully aware of the subversive effect of all of these things on kids. I think it's absolutely horrible. I am so glad that I was born in the 80s because these, as time goes on, these poor kids, these generations are just, it's just horrible for them. It is absolutely horrible to be a kid in this day and age. It really is. There is truth to these things, but at the same time, you have to realize that they are part of the dialectic. They give you some truth. Oh yeah, they're coming after our kids. True, they are coming after your kids. But they're coming after your kids so that the other guys can get you. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope you realize from this episode where this is going because these things are just little tips of the wave that you have to learn to recognize what's under that wave and what's going on. Now the next one, also with Mike Johnson, so Speaker Mike Johnson calls separation of church and state a misnomer. Another thing that's getting all the liberals, you know, pretty tied up. Christian Nationalist House Speaker bemoans misunderstanding of one of U.S.'s founding principles. Let's see. The Speaker of the House of Representatives. Okay, this is asking me to register. Sorry. Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, has delivered his verdict on the separation of church and state. It is a misnomer. The second in line to the presidency informed Americans on Tuesday that they're 
Time-honored conception of one of the founding principles of the country was a misunderstanding. He's actually right, and I'll prove it to you. Speaking to CNBC's Squawk Box, he tried to turn the convention conventional wisdom about the founders' intentions on its head and claimed that what they really wanted was to stop government from infer- interfering with religion, not the other way around. He's actually 100% right about this, and I'll prove it to you in just a second. The separation of church and state is a misnomer, he said in an interview with TV channel from the U.S. Capitol. People misunderstand it. Of course, it comes from a phrase that was in a letter that Jefferson wrote. It's not in the Constitution. This is also true. It's very important. Johnson was referring to Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist Association at Connecticut, written in 1802 when the third president was in the White House. It makes clear that the founding fathers subscribed to a powerful separation of church and state, which they enshrine in the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Jefferson, in his letters, quotes the Establishment Clause, saying that Congress should make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. He goes on to say that it builds a wall of separation between church and state. Johnson's contentious remarks fall in line with years of effort on his part to bring Christianity into the center of American politics. Well, first off, it's not Christianity that he's bringing into the center of politics, people. He's not bringing the gospel. Christianity is the gospel. It's not churchianity. It's not denominationalism. It's not ecumenism. It's not more rules and laws about how to live a good life or for the common good. Christianity is the gospel. Mike Johnson is not bringing Christianity into the center of American politics. He's bringing the beast's version of Christianity. But moving on, the the New York Times has dubbed him the first Christian nationalist to hold the powerful position of speaker. And of course, everybody's just so inflamed. The liberals are just going crazy. But let's let's take a look at this idea that separation of church and state is a misleading metaphor, metaphor. This is an article written that I cited in one of my episodes on the image of the beast. And it's very interesting. I'm going to read a part to you that's, that's pretty telling. The late Supreme Court Justice William Rehnquist had the most succinct and to-the-point description of the so-called separation of church and state. He referred to it as a misleading metaphor. This is from Supreme Court Justice William Rehnquist. So somebody that was on the Supreme Court dealing with laws his entire life and tells you that the church and state idea is actually a misleading metaphor. Quote, but the great injury of the wall notion is its mischievous diversion of judges from the actual intentions of the drafters of the Bill of Rights. The wall of separation between church and state is a metaphor based on bad history, a metaphor which has proved useless as a guide to judging. It should be frankly and explicitly abandoned. It's from a Supreme Court justice. What was originally intended to prevent Congress from interfering with religious institutions or exercises has only recently been misinterpreted as meaning that Congress must restrict religious exercises. Isn't that interesting? As we have seen, nothing could be further from the original intent of the founders, of course, because they were deists. They saw the value of religion, even though some of them really had some horrible things to say against the Catholic Church, and they were right about that. They were also very deluded because they were secret society members and they were part of ritualistic types of religions themselves. They did, their, their view of God was very, very different than the Bible. Understanding the origin of this phrase can help us communicate about our actual First Amendment rights more effectively. So where does this where does this really go? Well, ultimately, the idea that there's a separation between church and state 
in a sense that the government should restrict religion from interfering or just restrict religion in general, this is actually a misunderstanding. Again, Mike Johnson is right. He's right about that. Now, he didn't quote the Supreme Court justice that said these things, but he's right about that. Now, if you understand your history and what the Bible says as well, that around the time that the mortal wound to the beast happens, which happened in 1798, that a second power would arise out of the earth that looks like a lamb, meaning it looks Christian, but it speaks, meaning it delegates, it acts, it legislates like a dragon. And this power would have all the power of the first beast, meaning it would be a world superpower. Now, the United States came out of nowhere. The United States was not a populous area. It wasn't a very important area where America was started. It looks like a lamb. All the founding, people think this is a Christian nation. It never was a Christian. I mean, it was a Christian. Let's put it this way. You could say that the pilgrims, because they were genuine Protestants, that it was a Christian nation. But America wasn't a nation at that time. It was just colonies. The United States of America is the United States. Before that, it was just colonies. In that point in time, yeah, they were Christian colonies. But when it became a nation, which, by the way, it was officially recognized by France, home of the Jesuit French Revolution, as a sovereign nation in 1798, around the time that the Pope was arrested and the mortal wound was given. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it just so fascinating? I love Bible prophecy. It's just so fascinating to see these things being fulfilled. But that power came up and it was a nation, but that nation looked like a, a lamb. It was looked like it was Christian, but of course it's Luciferian in origin. And I cover all of that in my end time series. But moving on, this is more on Mike Johnson, but this time we're talking about Christian Zionism. Mike Johnson is not your run-of-the-mill Christian Zionist. Did you know that? He's a Christian nationalist and a Zionist. How interesting. On October 28th, in, the, in his first public appearance since being elected House Speaker, Representative Mike Johnson, so the first thing he says, let's see what he says, told a crowd of Jewish Republicans, God is not done with Israel. And of course, they cheered and cheered. He boasted that his first act as speaker was passing a pro-Israel resolution in spite of no votes from Representative Rashida Tlaib, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, and Ilham Morha, of course. They have to give you the bad guys, and he's the good guy. Do you see how this works? Which he chalked up to an alarming trend of anti-Semitism. Do you know the history of that word? I hope you do. Enabled by academia and the mainstream media and fringe government figures. Gosh, you know, if you really understood who is in government and who belongs to all the wealthy organizations and pharmaceutical industries and banking, it's not so much of a conspiracy anymore. Only a few days before the right-wing lobby group Christians United for Israel, I've talked about them before, they're pretty crazy. Of course, because their leading pastor is a crazy Christian Zionist, a night to honor Israel, during which the founder, Pastor John Hagee, dismissed the prospect of a two-state solution on the basis that radical Islam worships death. The Jewish people adore life. Sure they do. That's why they're massacring tens of thousands of mostly children in Gaza. In his words, there were only a one, there's only a one-state solution. Israel today, Israel tomorrow, Israel forever. These people are fanatics, man. They are fanatics. I, I, I hope that when you read these things or you get the sense from when I'm reading it, doesn't it just bring you back to 
all these fascist, nationalist, extreme governments in history. Throughout history, we're talking like last 2,000 years, all these people are is just the same spirit. And that spirit is forming and coalescing around the United States. Because that spirit is going to be a counterfeit spirit. It's going to be the final iteration of the Babylonian system, which will be a counterfeit. It'll be the, the counterfeit that basically we were warned about thousands of years ago. Of course, that counterfeit's been around, but its final form will be a coming back to power. Coming back to power where the kings of the earth give their power to mystery Babylon, the woman who is a church riding a beast, which is a political system. All of this is going to be coming to pass. We're on our way to it. So stop watching Israel. Stop listening to, jo to what's his name, John Hagee. Jack Hibbs is another one who said that you're a heretic if you basically think that the church replaced Israel, which is actually true. Although the church didn't replace Israel, the church fulfilled Israel. The Jews are not the center of Bible prophecy, people. No, they're not. The Jews, first off, to be a Jew means you are from Judah or Judea meaning you are just one small part of the Israelites. The Bible is about lots of people, including the Israelites, not just the Jews. The promises made to Abraham were made to Abraham. Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Hebrew. Moses wasn't a Jew. Moses was a Hebrew. Jacob, all these people, they were Hebrews. But of course, Jacob changed his name to Israel, and all his children were called Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel was a person, but that person was also a prototype, a physical type and shadow for the spiritual reality that, that there would be in Christ when the Messiah would be revealed. A chosen people elected by God to be regenerated, to be given life, and to be faithful to Christ. There are no promises outside of Christ. None. God does not make promises to anybody outside of Christ. You are either in Christ or you're not, especially with the modern counterfeit Zionist state of Israel, which the Vatican created. Talk about that as well. But nonetheless, these people are mostly, athe mostly atheist. Israel is one of the least religious countries in the world. Their thirst for bloodlust and they, what they believe about people who are non-Jews, it's crazy. Of course, if you know what the Talmud teaches, then you're not surprised. But all these people like John Hagee, Jack Hibbs, they consider you a heretic if you don't believe what they believe. Very dangerous people. Very deluded, very extreme. They'll justify all the blood, bloodthirst and bloodbath that's happening in Gaza right now. As well, it's just necessary because the Jews are God's chosen people and they need to bring about their Messiah and that way Jesus can come and rapture us. It's fanaticism. Very, very dangerous. But this is the type of people that Mike Johnson associates with. Well, let's change it up a little bit. This is a different type of article. It's from CBN, but it ties into everything that we're talking about today. 300,000 member Indian church to plant 40 more mega churches. What's their secret? I wonder what their secret is. Calvary Temple is India's largest church with more than 300,000 members. This is insane. Absolutely insane. Now it's on a mission to build 40 more megachurches in the next years. Look, I am very happy and thrilled that the gospel is getting to a pagan place such as India. India has like one point, I don't even know, 3 billion people or something. 
So, of course, these numbers are going to be way more inflated than they are in the United States. But still, it's huge. 300,000 people is unfathomable. It's, it's crazy to think of that many people in one church, one community. But nonetheless, this is not as good of a thing as people, oh my gosh, see, the gospel's going out. Well, no. The Bible warns you of apostasy. It warns you of false teachers. It warns you of false worship, of false converts, false teachings, false prophets. Countless times, Jesus warns us, Paul warns us, Revelation warns us. These things are constantly being told to you throughout end times related scriptures. That the future is not revival. The future is not, you know, everybody's coming to Christ. The future is, well, of course, at, at some point, every knee will bow. Absolutely. But in the interim, it's not that you're going to see great revival. You're going to see a lot of false stuff. So when I see a megachurch that's planting even more megachurches, well, you know how megachurches started? They started in America. That's where the whole idea of a megachurch began. Now, if you know that America is the false prophet, and if you remember that Revelation 13 says that the false prophet will, through false signs and wonders, deceive people into making an image to the beast, how, how does that all tie together? Well, part of those false signs and wonders is the idea of a, of a mega church, where everybody comes, and oh, hallelujah, and everybody's doing all this charismatic stuff, and there's really no true doctrine. It's, it's a false situation. Now, of course, God will use it for the good. There are elect people in India who will be blessed by the gospel, who will hear, even if it's, you know, theologically misguided in some way, they will hear and believe and be saved. So God will save those who he has purpose to save. But nonetheless, from our point of view, which we don't know who is saved and who is not, these things should be evaluated with scrutiny because this is a false sign and wonder. The megachurch is not a good model for worship. The megachurch is a model for deception and for false doctrines. But if you're the beast and you're trying to move the world into a Christian nationalist system, this is an excellent step forward for megachurch, for the megachurch model to basically go throughout the world, especially in such a world that was once pagan, dark to light. Now it's catching on to be, to do this Christian thing. Man, this is, this seems pretty cool. It's way better. Let's everybody be a Christian now. Well, who's going to lead us? Well, it seems like the Pope seems like a nice guy and he's bringing about world peace. So let's just have him tell us what to do. You see how all this works? But read it with scrutiny. This next one is from Yahoo, and it's about Trump. So we can talk about Trump a little bit. The Trump repeats poisoning the blood uh, anti-immigrant remark. <laughs> so, of course, Trump, as usual, is annoying all the liberals with his language. Donald Trump, the Republican president frontrunner, said on Saturday that undocumented immigrants were poisoning the blood of our country. Repeating language that has previously drawn criticism as xenophobic and echoing Nazi rhetoric. They're poisoning the blood of our country, Trump told a rally in the city of Durham, attended by several thousand supporters, adding that immigrants were coming to the U.S. and from Asia and Africa, in addition to South America. All over the world, they're pouring into our country. Now, of course, you know what? Again, he's right. He's not wrong. He's telling you the truth. But if that's where you stop thinking, then this is the problem. And for most people, it is. They stop thinking at the fact that, oh, Trump is telling the truth. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't stop thinking. Yes, Trump is telling you the truth, but there's more to the story. 
the goal of the role of the bad cop is to be bad and to hurt you. The role of the good cop is to come in to acknowledge all the bad stuff that the bad cop is doing to you so that he builds trust with you and you can confess to him. This is how it always works. And this is how it works in dialectics and in politics and everything else. If the good cop first walked into the interview room and said, you know what, you need to confess. Even if he said it to you nicely, you would say, you know what, buzz off. I'm not going to tell you anything. You're a cop. <laughs> you see his badge. He's a cop. But you know what, after the bad cop comes in, after the bad cop comes in, slaps you around a little bit, abuses you, calls you names. Boy, he's just a rough guy. Doesn't even ask you to confess. He just comes in to beat you up. Then the good cop comes in and says, hey, listen, buddy, that guy was really rough on you, wasn't he? Yeah, gosh, he was. Look, I can get you out of here. You just gotta, just gotta level with me, okay? There you go. That's how it's done. Dark to light. They're both cops. Trump is acknowledging to you the evil that is happening that is so obvious. He's not doing rocket science. He's not exposing anything that's not obvious. And people are just drooling over Trump because, oh my gosh, he's, just, he's telling the truth. Yeah, he's telling you what's obvious. He is telling the truth. Yeah, immigrants are pouring into this country like crazy by design because they want to destroy the country out of the leftist playbook. But there's also a rightist playbook. You get it? There's not just one playbook. There's two playbooks. The leftist playbook is open borders. The rightist nationalist playbook is they're poisoning the blood of our country. And they're pushing all this immigration stuff and they're using an incompetent president to make you just get so disgusted so that when the good cop, Trump, exposes it for you, he brings the light, then you say, oh man, you know, he's right. I'm voting Trump, that's it. Whatever he says, he's the only one speaking sense these days. It's not how it works. Trump is not who you think he is. But moving on, this is actually a video and I need to put my headphones on. One minute. Okay, this is a quick little YouTube type of video. There you go. I don't know if you can hear it, but we're going to become rich again. This is an EDM concert. I'm working for you. We're going to win, win, win. You're going to get so much winning. We're going to keep winning. Sure we are. We're going to make it great. That's good music, but look at this. They have a hologram of Trump. This is an image. This is an idol. Look, Listen, I've, man, I don't know if you're voting. I've been to EDM concerts. I've been to that whole lifestyle. And especially these days, it is, it is going crazy. People have holograms that they're basically bowing down to. The DJ itself is a false god. I mean, you're basically, the DJ's booth is an altar that you're like swaying to and giving your energy and worship to basically. And then you have these holograms now that are so popular with EDM festivals. And what you just saw was an EDM festival where they basically remixed Trump's words using a hologram of Trump. And, oh my gosh, Trump is going to come and 
save us and we're going to win. We're going to win so much. We're going to get sick of it. Do you see what's going on? All this dark stuff is prepping you for the big win. But it's not going to be a win for you. It's going to be a win for the beast. It's going to be a false golden age. Trump is your material savior. The one that comes in and rescues everybody from the bad cop and gives everybody all their material needs. What does the Bible tell you at the end, man? What's it tell you about the image of the beast? What's it tell you about the mark of the beast? It tells you that there'll come a time where there'll be great prosperity. But in order to be part of that prosperity, you will have to basically worship. You'll have to pay worship in some way. Now, I talk about what this could be. I don't think anybody really fully knows how it's going to roll out. But nonetheless, it will be a matter of worship. It's not going to be a chip. It's not going to be a jib-jab. It's not going to be a tattoo. That may be how it's enforced, I'm sure. But the actual mark is a spiritual mark. It's a mark of worship. Who do you obey? In exchange for, if you obey God, you have eternal salvation. If you obey the devil, you're going to have a material salvation. You'll be able to have all the comforts of life and to live without any problems. When Jesus says like, when he says it'll be like in the days of Noah or the days of Lot, depending which gospel you read. What, what is the point of that saying? The point of the saying is people in the days of Noah were drinking and eating and giving in marriage, meaning they were, they were doing just fine before the flood. They had no idea what was coming. And in the same way, right before Jesus returns, people who have taken the mark will be enjoying life. They'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage because they've taken the mark. That's why Jesus told you that. There is going to be a, a false golden age. That's the deception, folks. The deception is not some big, bad, deep state coming to kill you. The deception is a false golden age. It's going to be so good, so appealing, so amazing, so, so much winning. You're going to be sick of it. Just sign the dotted line really quick. Yeah, just sign your life away. This is what's going to happen. And people are worshiping Trump just like any other dictator in the past. Trump is that charismatic guy that has a lot of things in common, believe it or not, with other dictators in history. But this is actually, I want to show you, <laughs> these videos play automatically, but this is from Red Pill News Live. Look at this picture, AI probably generated. Trump is in some golden armor, people behind him. Of course, all these things are just enhanced even worse now with AI because you can generate images of anything. Idolatry is becoming just so much easier and look at this. He's got a flaming sword. What is the title of this video? And this video has 3,000 views on BitChute. Not bad. Red Pill News Live. Deep and hard, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And Trump is my instrument on Red Pill News Live. So Trump is the instrument of God. This is basically what is happening. And of course, this is a red pill, conservative red pill. But look, why? Here's let me give you the, the real pill, right? Don't take the red pill. The red pill means you're just going to the other side. For a while, we used to think, oh, if you take the red pill, you know, then you're awakened and you're awakened to the truth. But all, all the red pill means, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here and I hope you figure it out. The red pill means you're awakened to the left side. doesn't mean you're awakened to the duality of the pills. The true choice is I don't want either pill. I believe in Jesus and I follow the gospel. That's the true pill, so to speak. 
If you take the red pill, you're automatically getting into the dialectic because the red pill is defined by what? If somebody just gave you a red pill and said, here, take this red pill, it has no meaning. But if they say, here's a blue pill and here's a red pill, take the red pill instead of the blue pill. Do you see how this plunges you into a dialectic? Red pilling has been associated with the good, the virtuous, the light. And blue pill, oh, you don't want to take the blue pill, that's the dark side. But again, there's no, there's no good outside of Christ. The good guys do not exist. The only good guy, singular, is Jesus. So when somebody says red pill, red pill news, all it means is you're just part of the dialectic and you're not aware of it. You haven't taken the next pill to realize that the red and the blue pill are really just the same thing, but they're different flavors of the same side of coin. Now, of course, the red pill seems more reasonable. Okay, the left is just crazy because humanity is naturally conservative. At least, you know, once you have assets, once you are older, once you are more reasonable, once you have a family, we are naturally conservative. So the red pill seems more reasonable, but the red pill is just another side of the dialectic. Nationalism and communism are two sides of the same devil bird, basically. They were created by the Jesuits, designed to bring people back into a one-world system. And that system will happen. It's going to be a one-world Christian nationalist system. And Trump will be part of that because the United States' role, like I discussed in my end-time series, is to bring about this reality. It's to convince the world that Christian nationalism is a good thing. The United States is the light bearer. That's why we have the Statue of Liberty in New York. Of course, if you know anything about the Statue of Liberty, it's not actually a woman. It's their transgender Lucifer God. But that's a whole other can of worms that I discuss in my series. The light bearer. The United States is the one that's going to bring the light of freedom to the world. Well, freedom from what? Well, freedom from obeying God. That's basically the satanic virtue. And that's going to come through Christian nationalism because you're going to be obeying the Pope instead. This is another one. Let me just go back to the cover here. This says, the battle of good versus evil is real. You can see this depicted in our government and the, <clears throat> and the NWO, the New World Order. Of course, Jim Crenshaw on BitChute, he's got a ton of stuff, always very popular. 6,500 views. Now these things, look, these things are not unique. I've chosen this because I've seen many videos like this. This is my point, is to help you see the truth. The battle of good versus evil is real. Yes, it is. They give you a truth. But now they insert the lie. You can see this depicted in our government. No, you can't because government is ruled by, by both sides are controlled. There is no good or evil, like true good in government. The people who are truly good, they get killed. <laughs> the ones who like repent and want to expose their evil masters, like look at the body counts around the Clintons, they get killed. So... Ultimately, real good doesn't exist in the government. It doesn't exist anywhere other than Christ. If you are in Christ, then you have the ability to discern and to do good. If you're truly born again. But if you're not, then there is no good. There's no good. Even the things that you think are good, like laws to restrain the inherent evil, or you know, putting certain legislation to enforce religion, that's not good. Self-righteousness. Pharisees were empty tombs, according to Christ. So don't buy into this whole good versus evil, like playing out in politics. Yes, we are good versus evil, but evil 
true evil is masquerading as good. The angel, the, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. That's what Paul says. How many angels appeared to people and started false religions? Muhammad, Mormonism. These things are very, very important to understand. Evil is not like when you look at this, let's go back to this thing. If you look at this chessboard, this is, this is, gosh, there's so much to talk about this. But anyway, look at this. What do you have? You have like this dark hand with like claws and obvious evil. And then you have this like really well manicured, you know, white hand, whatever, like, you know, Jesus versus the devil, basically. But is this the devil? This is, this is how they get you. This is the, this is the common misunderstanding of evil, that evil is what you see as obviously evil versus, oh yeah, that's good. He's very well manicured. He must be the good side. When in reality, this is actually, if you, if you broaden this picture out, it would be like this, like two hands. And it's like the devil is actually under the chessboard and he's got two of his hands playing against himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you see this. I really hope you do. This is not like Jesus versus the devil. Okay, of course it is, but Jesus has already won. We don't, there's no like ongoing battle. These things are unfolding. Jesus is going to return. He's going to destroy evil and it's already been done. It's a done deal. But the, meanwhile, the devil is playing this little charade against himself because it will bring about the final solution, the final world order. The, the, the hand that you think is good because it looks good is not the good hand. The hand that you think looks good because it's clean and, you know, well manicured versus the evil hand with the claws. This is the problem. Evil is not obvious. True evil is the one that comes at you with a smile and well manicured in a suit. And he's going to promise all these things and we're going to win and win and win. You're going to get so sick of winning. It's just going to be amazing. That's true evil. So I hope you really just, you wake up from these things and you see the truth because it's getting there. Look at this. This is Isaiah Saldivar, if you don't know who he is. He's some charismatic, really popular charismatic guy. Very fanatical, very false theologies coming out of this guy. But he has a, he has a, a worship or a sermon called Militant Church. Isaiah Saldivar preached a radical message on how the church should be on fire for Jesus and not be lukewarm, but to just live out fully to see revival happen in the church and in their city. My gosh, there's so much to talk about, so many things, and people are so ignorant of these things. To be on, if you understand what I'm talking about, then when you read this kind of stuff, you read it and you see what's actually going on. This is Christian nationalism oozing from Pentecostalism and charismatic ideology. These people are called NAR. Now, of course, they're going to deny that we're not really NAR. New Apostolic Reformation. New Apostolic Reformation is part of this broader movement which has snared Protestants because, again, the Jesuit ideal was to destroy the Protestant Reformation. 500 years later, we are on track for this to happen. The Protestant Reformation is practically over because Protestantism has become into such a ridiculous thing through evangelicals, through charismatic Pentecostals. Everybody has been so deceived whether it's Christian Zionism or all this fanatical Christian nationalism, that the Protestants are, are, it's so crazy. It's just so crazy to live and to see these things. Protestants are spearheading Christian nationalism in the United States. 
And this Isaiah Saldivar is, is just another example that we should be on fire for Jesus. What does that really mean, Isaiah? What does that mean to you that you should be on fire for Jesus? Does it mean going spreading the gospel to homeless people? Or does it mean the seven mountain mandate where you have to conquer all these seven mountains of society for, for the kingdom? You got to spread the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? The kingdom is a, an invisible thing that's present in the hearts of men and women who are born again. It's not a physical thing. You having a Christian business does not make you part of the kingdom in that sense. You're not spreading the kingdom when you get more clients. You're not spreading the kingdom when you're tithing to a giant mega church. That's not spreading the kingdom. But that's how these people see it because they have married the physical with the spiritual. They've married the physical and the spiritual. And so when they talk about not being lukewarm, we got to live out fully to see revival happen. What did we just mention a couple minutes ago? The Bible doesn't teach you that revival is happening. The Bible teaches you that false signs and wonders are happening, that there are going to be many false prophets, many deceptions, that people are going to build an image and worship the first beast and basically have a worldwide system that they're going to be part of. That's what the Bible tells you. It's, a, it's very negative in the short term. It gets worse and worse before Christ returns. But these people believe that revival is going to happen. So now put it all together. What happens if all these mega churches happen and we're seeing more and more people get Christianized? Doesn't mean they're true Christians. It just means they're part of the church, the physical church, the denominational church. Well, gosh, the prophecy's fulfilling. We see we're getting better and better. We're having more revival, uniting church and state. And if you stand against that, if you say this is not true, it's not what the Bible says. This is a false counterfeit. If you're saying those things, Boy, you're one of the enemies that has to be put under his feet, huh? See how this works? And how all these things are shaping to where one day those like me and hopefully like you who will see the truth will be seen as enemies of God because you're standing in the way of the kingdom. It's happened in history before, folks, and it's going to happen again. But militant church by Isaiah Saldivar. Now look at this. Church militant. <laughs> this is a Catholic highly, you know, far-right type of place, organization. The church militant comprises the souls on earth engaged in battle against the forces of evil. Catholics and their crusades, they love their militant church. The church militant is the Christian militia. The church militant does battle against sin, the devil, and the demonic rulers of darkness, and against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Of course, they're so self-important. They're so self-important. Christians are born for combat, Pope Leo XIII. Of course, the Pope would say such a thing. Christians, that's not true Christians, but Catholics, yeah. Catholicism is the beast. And she's drunk with the blood of the saints. Under the patronage of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Michael the Archangel, the mission of the church militant is to promote the faith given to humanity by Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Messiah. This faith is, this, okay, great. That sounds up to there. Sounds, well, minus the Mary and St. Michael thing. But yeah, this part's okay. Promote the faith given to humanity by Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm with you on that part. Not with the Mary thing, not with the Michael thing, but let's see what, what else do they say. This faith is the one holy Catholic apostolic church led by the successor Peter to successor St. Peter, Pope Francis. So absolute and ultimate allegiance to the Pope, meaning the faith that Jesus left is the faith of Catholicism. And if you are not 
a Catholic. If you oppose Catholicism, guess what? You are part of the Ephesians 6, verse 12, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness. In high play, do you see how all of this works and comes together? How fanaticism can easily turn on you? It's happened in the past, folks. An inconvenient history. This is an announcement that Pope John Paul II made. In a recent catechism of the Catholic Church published in 1994, it stated that the right to religious liberty is neither a moral license to adhere to error, nor a supposed right to error. Some years later, then the same Pope issued the his encyclical promoting the sacredness of Sunday and civil legislation as one means of establishing it. Of course, he declared that one he declared that one who violates the sanctity of Sunday should be punished as a heretic. Most people don't know that, do they? Pope John Paul II, the one that everybody loved, he seemed so friendly, but he want Sunday law. He wanted Sunday legislation because Sunday is sacred and it's not sacred, but anyway, to them it's sacred because it's their day of worship. Worshiping the sun, which is really worshiping Lucifer. And you're basically giving your energy to the beast because the beast said, I can change God's laws. That's the mark of my authority. And we should have civil legislation. And anybody who violates the sanctity of Sunday, what does that mean? What does it mean to violate? How do you interpret that? If you were pulled into a tribunal and you were working on Sunday, like they did in Constantine's time and several centuries afterward, as they persecuted people for not worshiping on Sunday and bowing down to the beast, people forget their history, that you should be punished as a heretic. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So church militant, which aligns with Isaiah Saldivar's ideas, militant church, which is a Catholic idea. And of course, if you know your history, the Catholics created the charismatic movement in the 1960s, Catholic charismatic renewal. And Catherine Kuhlman, who was a faith healer and you know, basically inspired people like Benny Hinn, she was a Jesuit operative. I document that too. So of course, they're speaking of the same things. All these NAR people are all Christian dominionists, Christian nationalists. We need to Christianize the world. Then you got the Catholics who are very far right and saying, yeah, we need to Christianize the world. We're fighting against the world, the forces of darkness. Well, wait a minute. Are you the good guys? Are you the hand that's well manicured and you're fighting the hand with the claw? But what if the hands are really held by the same person? Isn't that interesting? Never thought about that, did you? Most people don't. And I certainly didn't until God opened my eyes that this dialectic is coming to a head. So I hope that today has been more educating for you on these issues because a lot of people aren't educated. They don't understand the truth that's coming on the horizon. And that truth is a Christian nationalist system. All roads are leading to Rome. They've always read to, led to Rome and they will lead to Rome. Again, Mystery Babylon sits on seven hills. There's no other place in the world that's a church that qualifies. And it's also a great city, by the way, that rules over the kings of the earth that qualifies other than the Vatican, who is the home of the church and the Pope, and that sits on seven hills in Rome. So you have to know your history. You have to know where these things are coming from because the Bible doesn't predict revival. The Bible predicts things are getting worse before the return of Christ, and people will take the mark, they'll worship the devil, and everybody's going to be singing and drinking and eating and giving in marriage. So you'll have to make a choice at one point, and I hope that after today, you learn to make the right one.